All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. I hope everyone's doing well, having a good Wednesday at the end of October, approaching Halloween very, very quickly. Tim is not joining us today. He's having the day off. He Like like we talked about yesterday, Tim's really tired. You know, it, it's tough when you're 30 years old and you only have yourself to look after. You get tired, and so if you don't get your sleep, you get a little cranky, you get a little upset, you get a little fussy. So Tim is taking the day off. He got a good night's sleep last night, and hopefully he's still sleeping at the time of this recording, because I like to record in the morning. I like to get up early and get my day started, and Tim's just tucked nicely in his bed. He had his milk last night, and he's just dreaming away a 30-year-old dream. So anyways, you're with me. Like I said, it's Wednesday morning. And there was some news yesterday, not in the hockey world, but in the sporting world. The Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. It's their first title since, gosh, I want to say 88, when Kirk Gibson had that miraculous home run on one leg, and he limped around the bases, and it was just such an iconic moment for the L.A. Dodgers. So they won. Congratulations to them joining the L.A. Lakers. They've they've taken the, the championship city from Boston back to L.A., so good for them. I'm actually not good for them. I don't like the Dodgers. I don't like the Lakers. I, I actually despise both of those teams. But anyways, the team had to win. The Dodgers won. Kind of controversial. The the Tampa Bay Rays manager took their starting pitcher, their stud Cy Young winner, out of the lineup in the sixth inning after, after he was just pitching a gem, literally just throwing the game of his life. He said he had never felt that good in his life before. And the manager decided to go in there and just, you know, take him out of the game. This just goes to show you that coaching does matter. Because if he would have left him in the game, even the Dodgers said they, they couldn't touch the guy 
they would have probably went on to win game six, and then we have a game seven, and who knows what happens in game seven. So, coaches, you know, less is more sometimes. Less is a lot more sometimes. But anyways, back to dropping the gloves. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed last Wednesday when we kind of took a trip down memory lane and released our first ever episode. I thought it was kind of cool. I, I learned a lot by listening to it. I, I realized, man, I was just so bad back then. And we we did a lot of episodes just remotely because we didn't know how to work this whole podcast thing. We didn't have a steady system like we do now where it's like, okay, we're doing it three days a week. These are the times. Be there. Be square. It was just kind of like a fly by the seat of the pants. Can we do an episode? Can't we? I My first month, I think, in the podcasting, I went to Minnesota, interviewed a bunch of guys. And then right after that, we got the opportunity to go to the Chicago Blackhawks convention. And the podcast was just in its infancy, so we were unsure of whether the Hawks would let us record there or if we even wanted to. I, you know, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to look, you know, like a putz in front of the former teammates and the boys and stuff like that. So we were lucky enough to get the approval from the Hawks. They let us come to Chicago and set up a little booth down in the fan center and interview some of the guys. And they were nice enough to get some guys to come down and uh, – talk to us. We had Stu Grimson, Denny Savard, Brian Bickle. I think Ben Eager tried to come by, but he just ghosted us, so we didn't end up doing that interview. But one of the interviews that stood out was Stu Grimson. I grew up watching this guy. I grew up, I don't want to say idolizing, because I didn't. I grew up watching him fight. I always was fascinated with the fighters, much like every other kid growing up. And he was one of the top guys. And what made him so interesting was his name, Stu Grimson. And he had the best nickname. I challenge you to find a better nickname, not only in hockey, but in all of sports, the Grim Reaper. How foreboding is that if you're a fighter and you have to look at the roster and see the Grim Reaper stepping over the boards coming to get you? Like, that is terrifying. He's six foot six. And his nickname is the Grim Reaper. I would be terrified if I had to fight that guy or play against him or even know that he was in my my city the night before. There's no way I would get a wink of sleep. So I got to sit down with Stu. It was, it was a big honor. It was the first time I really ever sat down and talked to him. It was intimidating because here's a guy who did my job, did it much better than I did, and had much more success than I ever did in hockey. And I'm interviewing him. Which, which is bizarre because he, he is way more well-spoken than I am. He has done much, much more in the hockey industry after hockey, whether it's with the Nashville Predators being their color guy or working for the league, being a, um, a, a council lawyer for the NHLPA. After he retired, he went and got his law degree. Like, this guy is just a renaissance man in every sense of the word. When I asked him what he did now, I was expecting him to go, oh, you know what? I work color for the National Predators. That's what I do. Much like a lot of the other tough guys who retire, they go and they work for the teams that they played for. You see it around the league. And in St. Louis, they have Kelly Chase. And Buffalo, they have Rob Ray. They have There's numerous guys throughout the league who do this. No, he didn't say that. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I do the national thing. That's fun and everything else. But I do bing, 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 bing. And we're not talking little hobbies. We're talking mainstream, high-end jobs, working for corporations, running this, owning that, like pretty neat stuff for, let alone 
to do that for one job, to have four or five of these things under your belt, it's like, man, this guy's impressive. So it, it was cool to talk to him. The one thing that I did kind of pick up on after I listened to the episode again was just how hard it was to be a fighter back then and how hard it is to be a fighter. I don't want to say now, but how hard it was to be a fighter, just the mental anguish, the, the pressure to go out and fight, especially if you were a young guy to go out and challenge the biggest, baddest dude in hockey. Because if you, if you did not do that, you were done. You, you were sent down to the minors because you were giving the impression to the coach and to the organization and more importantly to your teammates that you were not willing to do that. You were scared. You're not going to go out and fight this guy. And I, I went through that. Stu went through that. All fighters go through that. And it's funny to contrast that from being a first and second year guy and having to earn your merit and kind of just go through the rungs and, and get to that point where you're an established fighter and you transition to that when you're in your, you know, the tail end of your career and you're having these young guys come after you and you don't really feel like fighting. You just want to play the game. You feel like you've earned that, but also you feel like you owe it to the young guys because older guys, when you broke into the league, they did the favor of fighting. And so you got to kind of step to the plate and be like, all right, you know what? I'll give you this one kid. Because when I was coming in, those older guys didn't have to fight me. They did me a favor by letting me, you know, get one under their belt and get one under my belt and, you know, establish myself in the league. So it's just neat to hear his side of it. And man, it's, it just goes to show you, I, I talked to a lot of fighters. I talked to a lot of guys who played the game that, away I, that I played. And I would say the majority of them, I'm talking 90%, they went through so much just mental anxiety and they did not like fighting. There's very few guys who I talked to who said, you know what, I loved fighting. I woke up in the morning and I wanted to fight. I absolutely loved it. Now, there's a few oddballs out there who really got a kick out of fighting. I think Brian McGratton told me he enjoyed fighting. Um, Colt Norris said he might might have enjoyed fighting. I don't know. There, there's a few, but they're few and far between. The majority of guys really did not like fighting. And it's just, I don't know if it validates me as a fighter or as a person or as a man to hear Stu say, you know what, I didn't enjoy it. It was nerve-wracking. I, I always was afraid of getting knocked out because I, I honestly was terrified of getting beat up every single fight. It, it's It's not something that is natural. You know, it's just like, I've said this a million times and I'm sure you guys have heard me say it and you're sick of me talking about it, but it's not natural to wake up and expect to fight that day. It really isn't, you know, it, it weighs on you mentally. It wears on you physically. And to kind of get that same reaction from Stu felt good. I was like, okay, I, I can kind of relate to this guy. Cause you hold these other guys, especially the young, older guys who I looked up to on such a pedestal. And it's like, Oh, they never went through that. They're the toughest of the tough. And I think kids see that and like they see these older guys or their dad or whoever, like they don't, they're not scared of anything. They're the best. And it's like, actually, you know, they were terrified. They're going through the same thing that you're going through. So it, it was, it was neat to hear him say that, but just from a personal standpoint, interviewing Stu, I was a bad interviewer. I was a reading from a script. I was so nervous. I didn't know how it was going to go. We were in this conference room and people were staring at us. And I think it was my first or second interview ever. So I was really nervous and I kept cutting him off. I kept just stunting his, he was going to go on this great story. He had, it just felt like he was going to have to tell this great story. And I would just cut him off and be like, Oh no, I did that too, Stu. I did it. I'm the same. Me too. Yeah. I like, I like fighting and re real estate. Yep. 
and I did that a handful of times, and I'm just kicking myself now because you have this guy who was so articulate, he's so good at what he does, and he really carried the interview because I was a was a basket case, and he just guided me through the whole thing, and I, I just kept sticking my foot in my mouth and cutting him off and ruining a really great interview that had potential to be just fantastic because when you have someone like that who could string a sentence together and make it flow and he just he's got that voice, I was like, man, John, you got to do better. So I'm sure we'll get him on the show again and I'll do my best just to stay quiet. I think, you know, when you got a guy like that who just knows how to, you know, spin a tail, you just let him go. It's not like Cam Jansen who's just yammering on and on about nothing and it's not interesting at all. You know, Stu's got some good stories. But anyways, other than that, it's a really interesting interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you enjoy these flashback episodes. I enjoy listening to them. And um, it's just really neat to kind of, you know, take a trip back to memory land. I, I don't know how many we will do, probably three or four more. I, uh, I just envision, uh, you know, a little, little bit of history doesn't hurt anybody. So away we go. Enjoy the interview with Stu, the Grim Reaper Grimsip. Cheers, everybody. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Just say you have an employee who is constantly late to, late to meetings, you know, sleeps in, looks terrible when you're on Zoom calls. You know, say say someone like Tim, who just, you know, doesn't really put the effort in. You go to Indeed.com and you search all of the qualified people on their website. You will find someone and you will find someone fast with 73% of online job, job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you, you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sport book experts. All right, here we go. Welcome to Drop the Gloves podcast here at the Chicago Blackhawks convention. The legend, Stu Grimson, coming in to talk to me for a little bit. Grimmer, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for coming out. Good to see you. It's my so, pleasure, Yeah, friend. Good to have you. Grimmer, obviously the legend for the Hawks. I was doing some research, watching some fights you had back in the day. I saw some good ones. It's Marty McSorley and everybody. I was doing a little more research on you. What's your, What was your toughest fight you think you had ever? Oh, my gosh. That's, uh, that's actually an easy question okay. to answer. When I was breaking into the game, 
Um, I was a member of the Calgary Flames yep. organization. Yep. And one of the great rivalries of the NHL, and it even stands up today, Edmonton versus Calgary. Obviously. Dave Brown was the meanest, baddest man on the planet. <laughs> and he was the heavyweight champion of the NHL playing for the Edmonton Oilers back then. And I'll tell you what, so I'm trying to cut my teeth. I'm trying to so kind of break into the business. So how old are you at this time? I'm in my early 20s, okay. 23 or 4 or so. so. You're trying to make a name for yourself. Trying to make a name for myself. But I recognized the path to the NHL for me went right through Dave Brown yeah. Street. And um, so I got called up for the, the front end of a home-and-home home series with the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers as a member of the Calgary Flames. I got called up. It's kind of early in my NHL career. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm watching Dave Brown loop over to my side of the center red line in this game. So we played Sunday night in Edmonton. Okay. And then the back end of the home-and-home home comes into Calgary two nights later on Tuesday. So I'm looking at Brownie going, this guy just, I don't want, I don't want any part of this, but I recognize I've got to do this. So first shift of the, um, of the game that night, first shift that he and I are out there we're locked up shoulder to shoulder with one another and I kind of gave him a shot off the draw step back three right hand three left hands rather cut the air above my head no I'm like way. I'm able to stay out of the way I got a hold of that left hand heavy left sound? hand and I clocked him twice laid him out right there and that is your welcome to the NHL moment that's my welcome to the NHL moment that's the realization like hey maybe I got you the beat stuff the out of the toughest guy in the league. Maybe I got the stuff to stay here. Right out of the gate. And that builds confidence because I know coming into the league, you probably, you played in the A? Uh, no, the, Just, IHL the IHL when I was breaking me. in. Yeah, no, I never I never played any in the AHL, but I, I played in the IHL for, for three years. That's yeah. insane. So I know when I came into the show, my first fight was versus Peros. And yeah. you're terrified going into it. And like the night before, you know it's going to happen, especially being called up. Yeah, exactly You want to make right. a good first impression. If you lose that fight, who knows what happens, right? You're, That's you're exactly sent down. right. There's exactly so much pressure right. riding on that one one fight, but yeah. hey, now you're here. Yeah. So I was looking at your hockeyfights.com, doing some research, yeah. and I was amazed at how many fights you actually were in. Like, there's a lot of them. I'm just, it, and here's the interesting part about that, John. It's you know, it's changed so exactly. much. Exactly, I thought today. the same thing because when I, my the most fights I had in a year was 11. Yeah, and yeah. that was like for me, 11 was wow, you fought a lot. Then you look back 10, 15 years, and yeah. that was like a good month. Yeah, for you yeah. guys. Oh yeah. And it's like what kind of? Because I know if I fought twice in a week, my hands were throbbing. I had you know my yeah. shoulder was a little sore. Yeah. Like what kind of injuries would you get just being a fighter? Like, well, you know, a split lip. I mean, uh, you know, somebody cuts you above the eye, you lose a tooth, you broke, a, you break a nose or something yeah. like that. Didn't happen to me all that often. Um, I might, I might have given better than I got at the end of the day, but but you're exactly right. And I remember this specifically. You know, fighting once takes a lot out of you. Yes. Fighting on consecutive games or fighting twice in the same game mm -hmm. that takes it's a physical toll. Never mind the emotional toll. I remember this one time. Uh, Rocky Thompson got called up to the Calgary oh, Flames, I and I knew before, this yeah. guy's wanting to he's yeah. wanting to prove his medal. He's wanting to, you know, prove that he can stay, at, survive, and and be a contributor at the NHL level. So I had fought twice in the previous two games. I was a member of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks mm -hmm. back then, and I knew Rocky. Like the third game after I had fought twice before, Rocky got called up, and I go, 
this kid's going to want to exactly, go. Exactly, yeah. The last thing I want to do, I mean, fight in three consecutive games. I was just like, so, you know, he ended up kind of getting the better of me early on in this fight, and we had a pretty good go after that. But um, it, it was just a reminder to me, an example of the physical toll that doing that job takes on your body. And especially you know? being a vet, he's coming into that game and he's jacked up. Oh, like, yeah, he yeah, is like, absolutely. And I'm like, doing everything I can yeah, to avoid it. And you don't want to fight. You're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. man, like, no, no. So in the actual fight, like, he's like just, he, his adrenaline's going. You're yeah. trying just to yeah. get, get it over with, basically. Yeah, basically. get through it. Exactly. exactly right. And that's the hard part. I always found with fighting, it was more of a relief once I got the fight over with. Mm-hmm. It was the day, the two days before. Right. And I guess it's, it was worse in my era because I would sit there and watch videos of guys. Right. Like I'd go, okay, there's Steve McIntyre. Here comes George Peros. Here comes, you know, Brian McGratton or Colt Nord. Right. And you would just like, it would mind you. You'd just go over and over and over. Yeah. Like, did, did you know going in, like, okay, I'm playing Edmonton or Chicago or Detroit. Like I got to yeah. fight Probert or yeah. Dome. Would you circle those games or would just kind of... Like, would you stress out about it? How would you deal with that kind of... I would. I, I, I was no different than you, okay. really. And here's the thing. Like, this is the lesson I look back, and um, I, I, I remember that I wish I had the ability to kind of do it differently during my career. It's so easy to over-invest in yes. the preparation for that part of the game. For you and I, you know, we're playing four to six to maybe eight minutes a night. So there's a good bit of ice hockey that takes place apart from that actual fight you're involved exactly. in. But we way over-invest in that 30 seconds of an altercation with another guy, and it comes at the expense of being able to play and yeah. play effectively. I marvel that guys like Proby, who were, you know, and, and today maybe Ryan Reeves is a good yep, example, exactly. or Tom Wilson is mm-hmm. a good example. But these guys, they walk that tightrope, and they, they, they're better equipped to kind of... to, to to manage the balance of being prepared to to get into a fight if you need to do that, but being prepared to play more importantly. Exactly. I, I overinvested in the other part, and I think it came at the expense of being able to and I think to contribute in on, other ways. That's I think people have said like you have to fight, you have to win, you have to fight, yeah. you have to win. Yeah. And so you focus so much on that, and yeah, right. it affects everything else. Because yeah. I know I would want to get the fight over with as quick as possible so oh, I, I was could the same focus way. on the game. I was the same way. Because if yeah. I didn't fight in the first or second shift, I would literally be shaking yeah. on the bench like, okay, I need to get this. Like, it's you this have so much massive adrenaline. cathartic release. Yes. Like, you know, I, I know the game requires this. I know my opponent requires this. Let's do it early. I know. Get it out of the way so I can just focus on playing. There yeah. is so much just, yeah. The real, once you, Even if you lost the fight, you're sitting in the box, you're like, okay, good, finally. Like it's, it's out of my system. I can go right. ahead and play the game. Exactly so, right. I don't know. Those guys, I wonder if Proby especially him because he he did put up some great points. He made a few all-star games. Like he was such a good player. Yeah. Just to have the confidence to be like, okay, I know I can beat anybody up in this league. Yeah. And I can still play. I I always worry about getting knocked out every time I fought. I was the same way. I was the same way. I wanted to show well and the thing that I was most um, you know that I that I was most responsible for. But you know, there is a there's an important balance there and I didn't walk it very well. I overinvested in the the physical part of it without question. What do you think the league do you like the way they've gone with the fighting route as far as trying to phase out the one-dimensional guys like myself i'll put myself in there the the four to five minute guys you think that's helping the league or i know it's such a weird like everyone's i like the game i like the game where it's at today i really do And, and and for this reason you know i think the players today given the rule changes we get a chance to appreciate the really skilled guys, yeah. the guys that, you know, move the puck well, shoot the puck well, think the game well. I marvel at what those players are capable of doing. And, 
And I like it's 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 an environment now where they can really uh, demonstrate, um, you know, what they're capable of doing with the puck. The kids today, the uh, guys that are playing the game today, there weren't many players that could do no. that back then. But it's like every team's got four or five of those guys today, and it's remarkable. It's, it it drives me nuts, I know, because back in my day, I never practiced the toe drag going up. I never practiced the sauce pass. <laughs> no. I didn't practice any of that stuff. Well, I was drilled into me. Tape the tape off the glass if it's not there. Yeah, and now keep these it kids simple. Are, yeah, now they're like, turn it back, you know, be creative, you know, yeah. take time and space. I'm like, I never, ever, ever I know. learned that when I was a kid. I'm like, if I were to be playing hockey now and be 12 I would be such a better hockey player yeah it's insane well and I think too this is a point I've made many times I think I think the technology today has changed the way the game is played too because anybody that has an appetite or an interest in learning about what other skilled players are doing yep you can jump on YouTube and watch you know reams of plays replays of guys that are doing specific games and you can rather than taking an old VHS tape and yep. trying to you know, uh, and replay a bunch of stuff that the skilled players are doing. It's just so readily available. Well, it's on to the you. bench now, and there's no better tool yeah. than video to teach a player how to play the game. So I think that's contributed too, and yeah. I think it's a part of why these kids play are so skilled. My last few years, they would literally have iPads on the bench where if you would yeah. mess up, the coach would be like, "Okay, I think you did this there," and I'm like, "No, I didn't know it." He's like, "Yep, see, like, yeah, you did. You, you should have been there. You should have been there." So it is good. And going back to like watching stuff i would like watch fighters so if i were to fight you i'd be like okay Stu likes to come in and like pop me with the left and i would right, sit there and like right. do so much research and it's crazy but yeah it, it's amazing how yeah. skilled the kids are these days okay away from hockey what are you doing now um john i got a big head i can wear a lot of hats i do a lot of things let's narrow it down what, i'm what corporate is... counsel for a company called van meter insurance back in nashville okay i'm a i'm a studio analyst for nhl network yes and uh i'm a real estate investor and i'm business development for an it infrastructure company called mobility out of newport beach uh california wow. so i do a lot of things you're a renaissance man i'm i'm involved in a lot of things i have a hard time saying no that's amazing so wow. it's it's a lot of fun so it's what, a lot of fun what do you do for fun these days when you're not doing all those jobs real estate is my passion oh, to be no honest with you i really enjoy real estate my wife jennifer and i um we love to buy single family homes fix them up turn them around or keep them and rent them um i've just i've always had a real uh, an appetite and interest for real estate and it's a great way to kind of, you know, supplement the financial areas of your life. And we've we've really enjoyed that. You should do an HDTV show. That would be fun. Yeah. Reaper's Repairs. Reaper's Repairs. Reaper's Repairs. repairs. Think, is that where, job number five? Where did that, just, where did that come from? We, well, I need to get a cut of that somehow. <laughs> That's, That's insane. Right. So when you're not doing all those jobs, you and your wife, you're at home. Yeah. What's a typical off day? Typical off day? Yeah. You're not selling homes. You're not investing yeah you're not working for the nhl you're not we live in this great area of nashville it's east nashville it's just outside of downtown we got a great little uh community neighborhood um so we'll be either hanging out in the backyard or riding bikes into town and enjoying the different restaurants bars and and um you know kind of uh social outlets in in east nashville we love doing that and then there's probably a little bit of Netflix involved ah, uh, and a couple chilling, of hours maybe? at the end of the night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right, so how long have you been retired for out of the game? Been out of the game since 2001 was my last game. December 2001 was the last game I played. Did you have a, the transition from playing? Because I know a lot of guys struggle with that. Like, 
first few years is tough. Did you? How was your transition yeah. from playing to well, not playing? To... I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do after I left the game. I had always enjoyed my role. I was a player rep, uh, player representative oh, to the union yeah. for most of my career, and I had kind of developed a real interest in that part of the game. So I knew that when I retired, I was going to finish off my undergrad. I had started my undergrad before I before I ever turned pro. Um, but didn't finish it. I signed before uh, signed my first pro contract before I graduated. So I went back to school for a year, finished that, and then I earned a law degree shortly after that. Wow! All with an eye towards uh, work, working for the union when I okay. when I finished playing. So I worked for you were probably a player during this period. I was in house counsel for the PA for for two years before I went back to Nashville and. Uh, and and uh, and worked and worked as a trial attorney. Wow! And I think especially tough guys because we're so our job is never secured. Right. Like, what was your longest contract? I actually you, don't even tell me you had a six-year contract. I had a five-year deal. Are you kidding me? I had a five-year deal. You know what I mean? You think you know a guy? <laughs> was that with the Hawks here? I actually I was with Detroit. Okay. And we had a long deep run. We went into the uh, we went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I actually came up that summer, and I showed pretty well. I had a pretty good run with the with the Red Wings, so I got some interest. And five the contract. New York Rangers uh, tendered an offer sheet five years in length that Detroit ultimately matched. So I was I was locked down for five five long years. Well, then that's <laughs> on my point because I was going to say being a fighter who's not well, especially me. I always thought yeah. whatever year I was year in was by my last year, year, two years at yeah, the most. So you yeah. plan for post hockey, right? Like myself, I, when I was done, I, I knew okay, I was prepared for it. Other guys right. say are not prepared at all because they have those con like you. You're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, I, I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate. It was just kind of the, the stars aligned at one moment in time, and the Rangers made this offer, and uh, great. it was it was for really solid money for an exceptionally, and I was 30 years of age at the time, no too, kidding. which was the really remarkable wow. part. A 30-year-old enforcer, you know, you're kind of asking yourself the question at that point, if you're a manager, how, long, how much longer is this guy going to be yeah. around? But, no, the Rangers did offer a five-year deal that Detroit ultimately matched, and be honest with you, I had another two-year deal after that. Three, I played another three years after that. So you that. played 14 years? 14 years in the NHL, 17 years pro altogether. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. And what do you fooled miss the most? I fooled him for a while, yeah, my friend. I, I fooled him for a while. I fooled him for 10, 11, <laughs> but not yeah. What's, what do you miss the most about hockey? I miss the room. Yeah. I miss the room. I really do. Um, hockey players, I think because, and I'm sure this is true of most um, most team sports, but I think hockey, especially because there's a physical component that's so taxing about it. You know, you cry, you sweat, you bleed, yeah. you do all these things together over a nine-month period. You really develop a close, close relationship with all the guys, and the camaraderie is really tight. And the barbs in the dressing room are, yeah, are yeah. pretty sharp. And um, I miss that most of all. Which I really one do. of your Which one of your teammates do you feel like? was your like the best teammate you had i know when i played i always like i bounced around i feel like jumbo joe thornton was my best right. teammate. brent burns but which guys stand out for you like okay they they were great guys like oh there's lots of them there's lots of them too many to number but you know guys that i played with that i really uh, i learned a lot from or or enjoyed my experience ian laperriere was my my centerman in 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 la when we were together and okay. i really enjoyed playing with lappy um, Luke Robitaille was a great teammate, and in, in Detroit as well. Sorry, in uh, in LA. 
Steve Eisenman was a great captain, one of the one of the greats I've ever played with. He and I were drafted together, and we kind of kind of came full circle when I landed with the Red Wings back at a later stage of my career. So. A lot of great memories. A lot of great memories. All right. So we're going to wrap it up soon. We're going to do some rapid questions here. Okay. Quick answers. Top of the head. That, now that's a challenge for some. That's a challenge for a lawyer. Lawyers don't okay, think in conclusion. You know but what? I'm going to. I'm going to oblige. Long I'm going to give you what you answers, need. Do whatever I'm you going to give you what you need. The favorite game you ever played in. Most. Oh, we. Okay. This will this will sting for Blackhawks fans. Okay. But. Um, I was a member of the Detroit Red Wings. This is the 95 year I'm telling you about that. I parlayed into a five-year deal. Okay. But we closed out the Blackhawks when I was a member of the Red Wings in the Western Conference Final. I got the game-tying goal oh. in that game. In Chicago or in Detroit? In Chicago. Oh, no. I beat Eddie Belfour to tie the game. We ultimately went on to win the series and close out the series that night. Not so a bad, that was, that was a, a, big, that was a big night for me. All right. Favorite fighting moment? Oh. Other than knocking Brownie out, your first one. Yeah, that would go up there. Um, George LaRock, sorry, um, uh, Christoph Oliwa was a lot of fun to fight. He's yeah. a guy, he couldn't speak much English. He had the thickest Polish accent. And every night I faced off against this guy, it's always, Stu, my team must win this game. We fight now. Every time I fought Christoph Oliwa, those were the words the man uttered. And didn't you, ter- that would terrify me. Well, I got the better of him. Were you the biggest the guy? Like, because you're six six. Yeah, there and I know when there I, like, many I was guys six bigger eight. than me. Yeah, like there weren't were many guys bigger than me. Way yeah. ahead of the generation, because back yeah. then, what was the biggest guy? Like, most. I mean, guys that were kind of the enforcer, heavyweight. They were kind of in a six one, six two, six three. There weren't many guys that were six four, six five. Yeah, not many at all. What would you like? Who would you like fighting better, the smaller guys or the big guys? No, I like fighting guys my size. Me too. Yeah, my, I hated my fighting size. the short guys because they would just last you, like just wear you out, wear you out. They're yeah, trying to just like land one. Ty Domi was impossible to fight. Right? Yeah. He's always punching up at you. Nobody expects a guy that exactly. size to prevail against a guy my size. It's a lose-lose. And he had a head like a medicine ball. You could tee off on that it head all like day long. You could tee off on that head all day long and you couldn't hurt him. I know. I, fucking, <laughs> I know. I feel, I feel the same way. How many times did you fight him? Uh, I'm Too not many? sure. Probably, I would say three or four, not Max. Bad. Fought yeah. Proby about 14 times Gosh, over the course of your career. Single, I wish I played back in your day because when I you was playing, been a, you would have been a hit. It would have been so fun because now it's like you beat up a few guys and then no one will fight you the rest of the season. Right, I was so right. scared to lose. And yeah, it's like yeah. I, I've been knocked out a few times, but it's just sad. The it's probably good the way it's gone, but yeah, fans love to get dust up. All right, yeah. anyways, back to it. favorite hockey movie. Favorite hockey movie? Yeah. Wow, slap shot, head and shoulders above the field. Okay. Um, Good, slap shot. Okay. I don't think anything comes close. No. Favorite no. athlete, non-hockey. Non-hockey. Wow. I grew up a big fan of the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders. Ah. Marcus Allen was a big, big deal. Really? I don't think anybody remembers Marcus Allen, but he was a great oh, athlete. Oh, I do, yeah. yeah. Running back, right? Oh, he was outstanding. He was You're outstanding. You're from Kamloops? Kamloops, British Columbia. And what are you doing being a Raiders fan? I don't know. I don't know. The Raiders were big when I was a kid. They really were. That's they when were, John they were pretty was cool. coach. Yeah, absolutely. Lions? Uh, yeah, we didn't follow CFL football all that much. So, do you drink? Oh yeah, favorite yeah. beer. Oh, um, little, oh yeah, little, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I drink. Little something. Well, to, <laughs> to excess. Can we say that here? Yes. Uh, little something something by um, who makes it? Is it Lagunitas? Lagunitas. Yeah, I think Lagunitas makes yeah. a little something something. They're yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's a good beer. I like that one. Yeah, okay. I'm an IPA guy. Me too. You know what? I used to be. And now, now what? Now what? Well, now I've, I, I don't know if I've gotten soft in my old age, but I used to drink IPAs all the time. Now I'm like, 
lagers and very oh, yeah. easy drinking beers. Ah. I don't know why. Because how how is an IPA a hard drinking? It's beer? well, it's too hoppy. Oh wow. That makes me sound like a diehard. It makes me sound like I got a problem. No, it makes you sound that like I'm you're a fan a, of a hard drinking you're beer. You're a man. <laughs> no, I, I used to love them. Like I used to just do. If you like IPAs, all day IPA. Yeah. From uh, is that Shorts or is that what's that? Founders all day IPA. Founders all day IPA. The best IPA you'll ever drink. Uh, Bell's too hard. Bell's too hard. is also is right really up there. Really solid as well. So, Northern Michigan. That's a Northern Michigan beer. It is. Who yes. brews that? That is. Founders and then Bells. Yeah, Bells yeah. is the name of the brewery. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, good. Yeah. Founders Two Hearted. Try that one. It's yeah. So good. Yeah. I'll have two or three of those, but then I just like it's too much for me. I'm sounding yeah. like a big <laughs> now, but yeah. <laughs> then I switch to like Labatt Blue or something. <laughs> anyway, okay. Do you fish? Uh, I used to a lot. Okay. We used to have a lake place back in Western Canada. Uh, I guess it's Western. I like Canada. to fish a lot. So what's, yeah. what's the favorite? fish you like to catch love to catch walleye uh smallmouth bass okay. used to be on lake of the woods uh oh. northwestern ontario I know exactly where that is yes yeah. my neighbor it's goes fishing all the time all right and when you were playing did you get to would you, would you get pumped up before the game on some music put the oh, headphones I, on i was your the music walkman? master i was oh, i was the room you were DJ. The dj oh yeah yeah so i mean that that moment before the coach comes yes. in and you, you know you got to shut down yes. the music after the coach comes in it's the Who, Baba O'Reilly. What's that? Led Who's Zeppelin, the, the immigrant song. You never heard of The Who? No. Oh, Roger I'm teasing Dar- <laughs> Who's okay. The Who? All right, so The Who. The Who, Baba Led O'Reilly, Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, the immigrant song. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I had it all going on. Stones, oh uh, lots of Springsteen. I played in lots the wrong of generation. It's all throwback stuff. Oh, my gosh. Now stuff. it's like. Throwback stuff that none of these people understand. Well, <laughs> it's better than the shit they listen to now because it's like Gucci, Gucci and... I used to cover oh. the Preds and Eric Nystrom was yep. the room DJ. And this dude would make, he would make mixed music for oh, no the kidding. room. Like he would yeah. actually DJ. Oh, I would watch him on the plane. And he's got like, he's got two little turntables. No he's way. mixing the stuff, but it's all house music. Uh, the whole, you know, the whole pregame the ritual is house music. The game's changed. Which is kind of cool, but it's like, I, I don't know. It's, you're lucky you're not playing anymore. Because <laughs> it's like that, like the young kids running now and it's all techno and R&B yeah. and I it's exactly it. right. I can't stand. Yeah. Well, Stu, it was a pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thanks for stopping in. That was Ultimately, so good. All mine. All yes. mine. Stu Grimson, everybody. You run a good podcast, Thank my friend. You. Thank you. You run a good podcast. Oh. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Dropping Underscore Gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.